bringing you the latest research, tools, and common sense tips you need to get and stay healthy. It's Talk Healthy Today. Here's Lisa Davis. Hi, I'm Lisa Davis, and I am so excited to be talking about such an important issue. You know, Alzheimer's affects so many people, and it is such a difficult thing. As a matter of fact, my father-in-law was talking to me about a relative that has Alzheimer's, and, and he was said, you know, we can we can talk about the past, but the present is just not, you know, and I don't know if that's the case for everybody, but that was the case for this gentleman, and I just know it can be so heart-wrenching. I've talked to lots of caregivers, so... I thought, what a great book that I'm holding in my hand. You can't see me, but I am. Why Buddha Never Had Alzheimer's, a holistic treatment approach through meditation, yoga, and the arts. We are joined now by Shuvendu Sen, MD. Dr. Sen, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. It's so nice to have you on. This book immediately caught my eye. Number one, my favorite color is green. So it's beautiful. And you have the outline of a Buddha with this beautiful green and blue flower in the background. And so it immediately sorts of puts you in that kind of mellower state of mind of like, okay, I really want to get into this. And I thought it was so nice to see that we're looking at different ways rather than I would say like the paradigm now of just Western medicine. So I would love for you to talk to us a little bit about how this came to you when you first realized that these holistic treatments were a good thing for Alzheimer's and other things. Right. You know, it actually started uh, on a very personal note, if I may say. A long time back, and I'm talking about years back, uh, my grandma, um, she was uh, an out-and-out scholar, somebody who was very academic, very scholarly. And uh, I was very surprised when uh, one day we actually lost her. She kind of wandered away from the house. When we rescued her, she had completely no recognition of her surroundings, and eventually she was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And it struck me that someone who's so educated, so academic, so scholarly, could become a functional ruin, a complete vegetable, in such a short span of life. And uh, and then, you know, I had that question in me that, uh, how could she become a vegetable? Because, you know, we have that concept that if you're studying hard, if you're academic, uh, you will not get rusted. 30 years yeah. down the road, I still have the same question. The world still has the same question as to someone who is so educated and academic could actually become uh, an Alzheimer's patient. And so down the line, when I started to practice medicine, I would see this disease and I realized, along with my colleagues and other scientists, that this is completely a different disease compared to the other diseases that have challenged us. I mean, this has a a very diverse kind of a manifestation. It's much more fine uh, than, let's say, uniform diseases like depression and bipolar when we know exactly what's going on. And, sure. uh, and it is very deep. And, uh, and again, we are scratching the surface. We have some FDA-approved drugs, uh, appropriately, appropriately approved by the FDA. But then we know that the longer trials clearly show that they are uh, not therapeutic, far from being curative. So now we are thinking about stepping out of the box. We are thinking about bringing up some treasures that we have uh, in, had in the past. And now that we are blessed with modern technologies, the modern technologies and researches, they are actually showing that these ancient arts like meditation and yoga, uh, they actually play a very vital role in the prevention of this particular disease. 
Yeah, you know, it's interesting because you were just talking about the medicine and you have this great chapter. I love chapter two, drugs, 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 modern medicines, commodity fetishism. And you say, coming from a physician who encourages and endorses the appropriate use of over-the-counter drugs and routinely prescribes FDA-approved medications, including controlled substances, this chapter may appear paradoxical. You know, I have to say, I didn't see it that way at all. And, and you were talking about that a bit there. You know, people are often surprised that I, you know, I have a child on the autism spectrum. She also has ADHD and some other issues. And medication absolutely changed our lives and changed her life. And she's more herself than ever because she's not constantly overstimulated. She used to, the wind would blow on her face and she'd cry. Now she goes to school and she has friends and she's thriving. And so I think people look at me and say, oh, but you're so health conscious, but you're, you, you, you know, you buck the system. You subvert the dominant paradigm. It's like, yeah, to a point. (laughs) So I just want to say I can relate to you, right? Right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, um, you know, in certain cases, As I, you know, as I always say, that there are certain uh, medicines that work, you know. But for certain disorders, uh, which are as deep as Alzheimer's or for any other cognitive disorders, um, they are so big, they are so colossal, uh, that a single-line prescription drug uh, may not suffice. And uh, see, I, have, I face this question a lot, Lisa, when people would say, you talk about stress being the point of entry for Alzheimer's, um, yeah. why can't I just take a Xanax? You know, that's the medication that we always take to bring down anxiety and stress. And this is what I tell them, that, you know, you start with a 0.5 milligram dose. And then, and it gives yeah. you an immediate effect. You're very happy about it. But the patient invariably comes back to me and says, you know what, Dr. Stan, I was doing well, but then that's 0.5 doesn't work for me. Can you increase the dose to one? And here starts the journey mm-hmm. from 0.5 to 1 yes. to 1.5 to 2.5. So what you get at the end of it is, number one, you get the adverse effect. And then you get the tolerance. The, the, the drug just doesn't work. So in those situations, that's what I, we say that none of these drugs are angels in the sky. They have their own sweet side effects. And then something as profound and deep as meditation and yoga, uh, which they do not have tolerance, they do not have the adverse effects, they're cheap. Uh, they actually work in a much more you know, deeper way than this single hit-and-run drugs. Yeah, and talk to us about those ways because, I mean, we all hear about the benefits, but I'd love to hear it from your point of view and then specifically how it's going to help uh, with the Alzheimer's or prevent right. it. So in, in, yeah. in terms of meditation, and again, as I said, we are, we are blessed that we live in an era where we have uh, the luxury of uh, some of the finest sophisticated uh, techniques. For example, the diagnostic imaging that we do like a PET scan or a functional MRI. So through them, we have actually gone deep into the brain of a meditator. And we have seen the, the wonderful effects that meditation and yoga does to the brain. Um, from, a, from a very scientific point of view, uh, there are two ways it, it can do. There are many other ways. The two major ones that has come out of this uh, tremendous amount of research work that has been done in some of the leading institutions of the world are, number one, there, there are certain waves in our brain. You know, we have an alpha wave, wave a beta and a delta and so on and so forth, of which this alpha wave is a direct reflection of uh, tranquility, of serenity, of peace uh, that we have. So whenever there is peace, we have this development of alpha waves and vice versa. If we can increase the alpha waves, uh, there is a sense of tranquility that comes in. Now, there are no drugs which can increase the alpha waves. It has been found uh, comprehensively that medicine 
meditation, be it a transcendental meditation or a mindfulness meditation or yoga, which is kind of like uh, 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 an extension of meditation, they have produced or they have introduced this tranquility, serenity, peace, contentment, and uh, and lo and behold, uh, there were a plethora of alpha waves. So that's one. Mm. The second one yes. was an even more direct way, which was, to me, it was a wonderful discovery of this late 21st century. It is the, this development of what we call as neuroplasticity. Neuroplasticity mm, yes. means the creation of new nerves. And we have seen that this meditation and yoga has given rise to this tremendous amount of neuroplasticity in exactly those areas which uh, get hit with Alzheimer's. I'm talking about the left hippocampus. I'm talking about the, uh, the medial uh, prefrontal cortex. Those are the areas that get hit with Alzheimer's. Those are the areas that are showing enhanced uh, cerebral activity, enhanced neuronal activity through the development of these nerves. And there are many other ways. And as I mentioned, stress being a big point of entry for Alzheimer's. There are certain risk factors that we have been able to identify. Uh, we talk about stress, which clearly hogs the limelight. Then we talk about obesity. We talk about uh, diabetes. Uh, we talk about hypertension. Pretty much all the risk factors for heart diseases have been identified as risk factors for Alzheimer's, of which stress is very, very important. So th through this ability to introduce tranquility and peace, uh, this is basically the triumph of meditation and yoga, that they can actually suppress stress uh, in a much more profound way than this just hit and run medication. So those are the two or three basic ways meditation and yoga have been proved uh, to prevent this, uh, this onslaught of Alzheimer's. You know, I always tell people that, you know, it, it, is, it, is, it is a very difficult disease because unless we have a full comprehension of how we remember we cannot have a full comprehension of how we forget. Because memory is very oh God, different. Memory is not just about, I don't know who you are. Memory is also, you know, it's like a relationship. Uh, you know, if, if, I, if I put your number in, in the computer, if I just type your first letter of your name, L, the computer would generate that number. But if I put it in my head, and I, if I bring it out for myself, the moment I th think about your number, I have to think about you. And I have to think about how you look, your mannerisms. So it's a relationship. So when that fades away, the relationship fades away, which is what happens with us. So, oh, so yeah. to think that a single drug is going to capture all those dying moments and bring it back to life is being very short-sighted. Yes. Oh, I think so, too. Now, in the book, you talk about transcendental meditation. You actually brought up uh, Ronald Ricardo, and you talked about he's 80 years old, and he was very stressed out. And it was so nice to read that he was able to say, after doing this for uh, three years, you, you talk about these remarkable changes that happened in his life. And, you know, despite the fact that he was still under a lot of stress. And he said, I am so right. at peace. He told me during his last visit, I feel so unstressed. So do you recommend transcendental meditation then over other types or whatever, you know, works for you? You know, you know, that's a great question because it is so subjective. <laughs> and and uh, we sure. kind of, you know, open up to... Uh, to whoever who comes to us uh, seeking for, you know, lessening of stress or if they have a family member with Alzheimer's and they're anticipating the disease coming to them. This is what we tell them, that, you know, you don't have to actually sit in a lotus position like Buddha. Uh, it, is, it is very user-friendly. There are two major types, uh, open and concentrated or closed. The open one, which is the mindfulness meditation, the, the, the definition that we have in today's world is, 
like a non-judgmental awareness of your surroundings. That you don't really yes. try to, you know, trample all the thoughts that's coming to you. You kind of let it come inside you, and they will find a window to fly away from you. All you want to do is just mm, get like a quiet, comfortable. Image. Yeah, in that. And, yes. And, oh, I didn't and, mean interrupt. I just love that image. Oh, thank you, thank you. <laughs> and, and people actually are very comfortable with that. You know, they will just say, and then then they'll call me up and say, you know, Doctor Sen is probably working. I said, if you have to concentrate on anything, concentrate on breathing, which is something which is so much an integral part of you, so inherent. And you just follow the journey, the the trajectory of your breathing in, breathing out. And some others would again find that difficult, and for them, concentrating comes. Concentration comes easier for them. And then I would tell them, you know, the, the transcendental meditation is all about concentrating on an object. And that object could be anything which is pleasing to you, which, which has a very seamless kind of a relationship. It could be a flame, candle, could be a picture, could be a flower, uh, could, could be a painting, could, could be anything. Or it could be a word that you just repeat, you know, and while you are concentrating on the word, you're actually closing in, but you're expanding your consciousness. So, you know, so as I said, not to repeat myself, the one is to just let it go, and the other one is to concentrate on something. Both are achieving the same target, uh, just little different avenues. Oh, I like that. You know, I love, too, in the book, in Chapter 5, you write, It's been more than 30 years since I first encountered meditation as a boy, yet despite the ensuing years of heat and dust, those moments remain crystal clear, resonating with a starlight clarity under a bright blue sky. That is so beautiful. <laughs> what a you. wonderful you know, image. <laughs> thank you so much. I love thank that. You know, I come from a country where meditation is like a sport. It, it, as I said, it's yes. fostered in scholarly circles and, and taught in classrooms. And it's almost like, you See, know, that's like a passion. Wonderful. So it comes very naturally to us. More with Lisa Davis and Talk Healthy Today coming up. All right, my health-seeking friends, we know you want to be healthier, and that starts with eating better. But with not enough hours in the day, it can be difficult to cook a healthy meal every night. You know what I'm talking about. Not to mention you've probably tried before with good intentions but have slipped back into old eating habits. Well, don't beat yourself up. We know it's hard, and that's why I want to tell you about Sun Basket. Organic and sustainable ingredients and delicious recipes delivered weekly to your door. With Sunbasket, it's easy to stay on track. And today you can get $35 off your first order when you go to sunbasket.com slash talk healthy. Now the people at Sunbasket have sent me a couple of boxes and I got to tell you, I love it. I love it. I love it. So what have I made? The Carrizo chili is unreal. The Tuscan vegetable soup on a cold day is just what the doctor ordered. The two bean enchiladas is delicious. And the Saigon beef sliders are fast, easy, and so good. Imagine this. The ingredients and the recipes being delivered to your door without the time it takes to shop. I gotta tell you, it's very exciting. When you see that box out there and you go out, you pick it up off the stoop, you bring it into the kitchen... Oh, that's exciting. And best of all, each delicious, easy recipe is ready in about 30 minutes. With Sun Basket, you have total flexibility. You can cancel anytime, skip anytime, and choose any meal plan you want. So go to sunbasket.com slash talkhealthy today to learn more and get $35 off your first order. That's sunbasket.com slash talkhealthy for $35 off sunbasket.com slash talkhealthy. Now back to Lisa Davis and Talk Healthy Today.
You know, it's so funny because I was a kid in the 70s and my mother used to meditate. She did TM, the Transcendental Meditation, and they took us to this place and I was about eight years old and I didn't really understand what was going on. This woman took me in a room and she said, I'm going to tell you this thing. It's called the mantra and I want you to go in your room and be quiet and I want you to say it, you know, over and over, but you can never tell anyone. It's very secret. And then my brother and I, who are now grownups, uh, this was many, 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 many years ago. I think it was a few years ago we finally told each other and it was it was something really simple. But she kind of scared us. And I was thinking, you know, I don't you don't tell kids <laughs> secrets. I'm thinking they took us to not the best TM teacher. Anyway, that story always cracked me up. So that's what so I right. think. I mean, that's what I think of. <laughs> right. No, but you're so right. Psychologically, you're so right. If you tell a kid not to do that, they will do they'll do just the opposite. They will probably share it. So, yeah. yeah, except I didn't. She, I was scared, though, but she scared me. And then I was like, I, and my mom would go, go to your room and meditate. But there wasn't any other instruction except that first time. And I would just play or do something else. Uh, so I think unless it's part of your culture or you're really maybe working with somebody, because even as an adult, aren't you supposed to find a transcendental teacher to work with you in the beginning? We we say that. I mean, it's it's, it's becoming much more uh, comfortable and user friendly for us. I mean, oh, uh, it used oh, to be like okay. A- you know, very dogmatic for us, and you have to have someone. Uh, but uh, in a way, we say that it is good to have someone to supervise only because of there are certain breathing techniques that comes with it. You, you take a breath and a count of four, and then you hold it for a count of two, and, and, and then you, you know, bring it out in a count of eight, and then you can slowly double the numbers. So sometimes it might be uh, an issue, let's say someone is asthmatic or somebody has, uh, mm. you know, a breathing problem or has been a former smoker, it may not be a good idea. So it's always a good sure. thing to have a teacher uh, so that if there are any uh, negative uh, effects coming out of a, a pre-existing disease, that can be taken care of. And again, this 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 quiet transition from transcendental to mindfulness, um, that also gets, you know, you get a help if you have uh, a hand to make the transition. All right. So, I mean, there's so much more to talk about. We only have about five minutes left. Again, why Buddha never had Alzheimer's, a holistic treatment approach through meditation, yoga, and the arts. So one question that comes to mind is, sure. is this something that, well, I haven't been doing it since I was young, or I'm 50 and I don't want to get Alzheimer's. Can I start it now? Or, you know what I mean? Because is it too late? I would think it's never too late. I would hope, <laughs> but I'm curious. No, you're so right. That's right. It's, it's again. It's just subjective. One can be a meditator right at this moment. I mean, there's there's no r- ritual, and I bent myself backwards to to convince my <coughs> excuse me convince my patient that this is it is not religious. Uh, it is just a very simple, profound process. Maybe it had its beginning from a certain part of the world, but this is this is again, which is which is very scientific, and it can start at any age, and um, and but then sooner the better because. For a disease as as so profound and so big, uh, like a like a, like a brain disorder, you know, you know, when I when I say that it is simple or it is complex, I mean that the liver and the spleen they have their own uh, limitations, but the mind is much more than the brain. Uh, just as yes. um, uh, you know, I don't know where my bathroom is is not just about Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's is much more than that because these presentations are so so diverse. The repertoire is limitless. So yes, to, to answer to your question, I mean, anybody and everybody can meditate. It has virtually no adverse effects, and it doesn't have to be so common. And, and I have had patients who would come and tell me, Dr. Stan, I mean, I, I get confused, you know, transcendental mindfulness. I would say, don't do anything. Just take a comfortable corner. Only when you are comfortable, 
and let, let the nature, nature is very neutral, let nature take care of you and, and just breathe in and breathe out. That itself will create so much amount of new nerves that it, it, will, it will protect you. It will just increase the reserves of the brain. Oh, that's fantastic. You know, in the last couple of minutes, Dr. Sun, I wanted to talk a little bit about yoga. So I recently got into yoga after taking many year hiatus. And I tend to do yoga that's a bit a little more athletic because I want to get those yoga arms. But I also find that while getting the yoga arms, which I'm still working on, um, I my mind is not thinking about a million other things because it's hard holding those postures and you're breathing and you're focused. And so it's such an amazing thing when you can take something that is going to help you feel and look better, but also really help shape your mind. And I just, it's wonderful. So I'm say, thinking even if you're doing at a more athletic class, it's still beneficial is what I'm getting at. Oh, <laughs> yoga is, 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 is a fantastic confluence of the mind and the body. And and, yes. and they take turns where the body takes control of the mind because you are you know very concentrating uh, concentrated on a certain posture and then the mind takes over the body so uh, it, it's, it's a seamless effortless transition from the mind and the body and and these exact good effects are reached through these uh, process I completely agree with you. Uh, well this has been so eye opening I'm. So thrilled you came on the show, Dr. Sen. The book is Why Buddha Never Had Alzheimer's, A Holistic Treatment Approach Through Meditation, Yoga, and the Arts. Tell us all the places we can find you and your wonderful work. Thank you. So it's been um, uh, it's through the HCI publishers. They, it's been distributed through all the major distributors. I had a great uh, uh, book signing event at Barnes & Noble. So it's available on all the bookstores, including Barnes & Noble, and all the websites, including Barnes & Noble websites, Amazon you know, dot com website. I guess it's all over and, and it's very accessible. Uh, now, do you have a website as well? Well, I do have my own. Uh, there's, there's a Facebook for, uh, and, and the name of the Facebook is the name of my book, Why Buddha Never Had Alzheimer's. And, and through that, oh, okay. all the links are incorporated. Oh, no, that's okay. That's good. So people can find it on Facebook then. Oh, yes, absolutely. And then Amazon.com, BunsonNoble.com, all, all, the, all the online. Oh, terrific. Well, everyone can find information about me and my shows here on uh, Radio MD, you Naturally Savvy, Talk Healthy Today, Talk Fitness Today. If you go to It's Your Health with LisaDavis.com, I also want to mention that I have some exciting news. Uh, I'm going to be on season two as a health educator on the show Reversed. It's on Discovery Life. It's a wonderful show that helps people with diabetes make healthy life changes by very caring professionals. I absolutely love it. Again, reversedyourhealth.com reversed the d yourhealth.com be sure to check them out thanks for listening stay well and read this book <laughs>